You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Thanks, guys. And again, just to reiterate what Michael said, a very warm welcome to everyone. Kid me Lafolcha. 100,000 welcomes is what we say in the Irish language. So it's good to have you in if you are visiting. And we do appreciate, given that it's such a busy time of year, and somebody whispered to me this morning in the hallway, there's a weather warning on the radio. The man on the radio said there's a weather warning. Do you know what I say to that? The Lord will mind you. He'll keep you safe. Amen? (coughs) Stop kicking in, excuse me, until this evening, so I'd say we're safe enough. A bit of wind and rain. I don't know, for years there was no weather warnings and we kind of just went about our business. Anyway, we'll we'll survive. I am uh, conscious that this is a very busy time of year and that a lot of people are under pressure with working late, with office parties, visiting family, shopping, excuse me, preparation and all of that. So I don't want to keep you too long, but we do want to give a little bit of time for God's word. Amen. And just see what God says in his word. But we are in a season that's known as Advent. And Advent is an old term. And it basically means the weeks coming up to Christmas. And so we're in that season. And given that it's that season, I'm just going to look at some scriptures around the time Jesus was born. But I'm also going to contrast that or put it up with when Jesus was an adult. So... We're going to look at just as Jesus was born, but also just before he died. And maybe you've never considered that, but they're the scriptures I'm going to use. I want to say welcome into Cafe Church downstairs. Welcome, guys. They're watching on the live stream down there. So I'm going to open in prayer and just pray that God will bless the word. (coughs) Amen. So, Father, without you, we can't do anything. And I thank you, Lord, we're not like so many today who have no guidelines, no moral compass, no maker's manual, just trying it out and making it up as we go along. Thank you, Lord, you have given us your word, the Bible. And you've also given us your Holy Spirit. And so we pray today that a wonderful intermingling of the written word and the power of the Holy Spirit would grip our hearts in this place. And I pray we would even forget about shopping and turkeys and all of that. And we would be taken up with what you want to do in our lives and in our family's lives. Would you move in power, O Holy Spirit, today in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to look at what I call the hidden Jesus, and this is people searching for Jesus, and initially, they couldn't find him. Now, the fact that you are in here on a wet, windy day, a couple of weeks before Christmas, early on a Sunday morning, tells me something about you. You might go, I'm really new here, you know nothing about me. That's true. But it tells me that there's something spiritual going on in every heart here. You wouldn't have made your way to a place like this unless there is already a fingerprint of God on your beating heart. And so everybody here is searching for God, whether we are tuned into it or not. If you have given your life to the Lord, your search didn't end when you were born again. Would anyone say amen? 
I don't mean the eternal truths, but we're constantly looking for more of God. And we want to get closer to him and to discover more about the things of God. The mystery of who he is and the power of God breaking into our everyday lives. So I'm just trying to open up by saying all of us here are on the same page, whether we're here for years, like Marianne, 20 years ago, I remember it, Marianne, we did an outreach, an outreach to French speakers in the city way back then. And I think you were one of our first converts way back then. So praise God. It's good to see you here after 20 years. I don't know where you were for the last 20 years, so it's great to see you back in. <laughs> That's not fair. I'm money messing. So we're all searching for Jesus. 20 years ago, Marianne was searching when she came into an outreach we were running. Um, for more of us, it was before that. Some people here, it was only last week that you connected with the Lord. So there's a whole time sequence there. But I want to look at some well-known verses just in Matthew 2 and John 11 and 12. And it just tells us about the birth of Jesus, which is what we remember at this time of year. So everything is on the screen. This is Matthew. And we're told when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wise men or magi came from the east to the city of Jerusalem asking, where is the one born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and we have come to worship him. When King Herod in his palace heard about this, he was disturbed. And after he and others consulted the scholars, they were told that this king of the Jews would be found in Bethlehem. So Herod sent them to search for him there and asked that they return and let him know afterwards. So many of you know this account and we know that this is talking about wise men, but actually the, the real word is magi. We think they were, for all you theology heads listening in on the podcast or here in the hall this morning, we're almost certain that these guys were what we now call Zoroastrians. <clears throat> so this would have been the first monotheistic faith in the world that we know of. And these people, and there's still a remnant of them today in the Iran and India area. But this is where they came from. They came from that tradition. And they would have studied the stars, astronomy as distinct from astrology. Do we know the difference? So astronomy is the study of the planets and the stars, Astrolo which is fine. Astrology is where you try and tell people their future through a made-up thing about... Um, when you were born and so on. So they're two very different things. Anyway, not getting into that. So these magi came and they arrive in Jerusalem. We're told that they came searching for the born king of the Jews. Scripture tells us that they began to see a star. It's actually fascinating if you look into it from an astronomical point of view. I am not at all qualified to talk about that. But those who study it can go right back to probably 4 AD when Jesus was born and how some fantastic things were happening in the sky at night. Anyway, these guys had a heart searching for God and they saw this star in the sky and 
God began to move on their hearts and they began a journey. And some of you here are on a journey today. Some of you are very new. Others have been on a journey for a long time. But these guys started a journey and they went from Iran right across to Jerusalem in Israel. A huge journey. It would have taken them, I touched on it last week, the best part of a whole year. That tells us they were very wealthy. These were not your ordinary um, farming people who couldn't afford to go away. These guys would have been of the royal families. They would have been wealthy. They would have been very well educated. Um, Jesus is no respecter of persons. He doesn't favor one group over another. But he will reach out to all types of people. And so these people happen to come from that background. So they travel and they just knew that whoever was going to be born... It was of God, and he was going to be the king of the Jews. So they arrive in Jerusalem, and it causes a huge, um, in Irish we use the word, I'm trying to think of an English word, kerfuffle. Um, Give me another English word, consternation, ruckus. There was a whole load of talk around Jerusalem about these guys because everyone could see they were very wealthy, that they were nobility, that they were intelligent and tuned in, and they had arrived from far away with this message, and word got to Herod, and he was not a nice guy. He was quite evil. He was, if you will, like a Hitler character, and we know he was uh, guilty of a slaughter of a whole load of children. So he was quite evil, but he heard it as well. And he was quite disturbed because he felt threatened naturally. Because he heard that this child to be born was going to be king of the Jews. Now he was like a lower king under the Roman Empire. And his um, comfort was being threatened. I don't know what it is, but there is a spiritual, in my opinion, rule that when people come to Jesus, there is always an opposition. The closer any of us get to Jesus, there will be someone in our circle, maybe even our family, who will get upset at it. And so Herod is getting upset about these guys coming. Um, However, he does consult the Uh, scholars, those who studied scripture, the chief priests and so on, and they looked up all of the Old Testament, that's all they had then, and they could see that it was prophesied, the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ was going to be born in Bethlehem. So when Herod consults them, he gives them this message back. So after the scholars were consulted, they were told to go search for Jesus in Bethlehem. So they arrive in Jerusalem, which is the main city. They end up in the palace, because remember, they're searching for a king. And they end up talking to the natural king, King Herod. Actually, his title was Tetrarch, but he was an under-king of the Roman Empire. However, they're told, go to Bethlehem. It's like the Lord led them so far, and then they were at a crossroads. And they didn't know, what's the next step I'm to take on my journey with God? And so they had to pause and they had to get advice. I prophesied there's someone here this morning and you're at that crossroads. Can I encourage you? Get godly advice. Don't just go after an emotion or something. Get good advice about the next step. You're almost there. And I sense this is for someone who is very close to really making their peace with God. You're almost there. 
but they point them to Bethlehem. And as the scripture tells us, when they came to the stable, they gave gifts and they bowed down and they worshipped. And that's verse 11. So these guys, the Magi, the wise men, they come to a new land. They had never been there before. If you're new here, this is probably all new to you. It's like a new land. It's a new situation, a new experience. Well, they were like that. This whole situation was new to them. They'd never done this before. How many times have you followed a star halfway across the world? Uh, about nine times now I got a star in 1983. No, this is the first time they ever did it. And when a star, when the light of God starts shining in your life, you, you, never, you never forget that. It's, it's quite impactful and it's unique. And that's the beginning. And uh, so they're in a new situation, in a new land, like we are on our faith journey. They get directions on the way when they come to what initially looks like a blockage. If you're at a blockage in your life, you know what? God knows the way you're to go. But he might keep you waiting there for a bit. And that doesn't suit our timeline, does it? We kind of want to go there now. Go there now. I often think of the Magi's journey. I mean, imagine if it was today, they would just go on their phone and book a Ryanair flight and they're there within two hours. That's us today. And I think that kind of thing translates right across to our, our inner landscape of the spiritual man and woman inside who we all are. We want the kind of instant thing, and that is not the God of the Bible, and that's not good for our souls because sometimes, you know, if you ever do cooking, um, I cooked a curry yesterday. If you ever tasted my curry, it is the most beautiful curry. Yeah, you tasted it, didn't you? Yeah. That's real self-praise, isn't it? Let praise come from another man. Michael, what are my curries like? They're amazing. Right answer. <laughs> anyway, I was cooking a curry yesterday, and I, I was cooking it, and I'm adding all the spices, and I just do it gradually, and you've got to do it slowly. If you just put the heat on fully, and you throw everything in straight away, it's not going to taste the same, but you get all the notes, all the... Um, sub-flavors of all of the turmeric and the curry powder and the cinnamon and all of this and the cardamom and so on, all of that begins to come out if you gradually do it. So you just can't hothouse stuff in life. And the Magi knew that. But when they knew, they found Jesus. Look what they did. And this is what we are to do. And this is what I hope many of us are doing. They gave gifts and they came and they bowed down to worship. They bought an offering. And sometimes our offering will be what we did earlier on. We thank God for the blessings in our lives. When we sang and when we prayed thanks to God, that is a gift, that is an offering. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. So this is what they did. And so we see that right at the beginning of the life of Jesus, when people were searching for him, they came to where they thought he would be, but actually he was in a different place. They had to leave the great city. They had to leave the palace and the temple. And that they go out to Bethlehem, to a manger, a stable, a hut, a shed, an outhouse, whatever word you want to use. Now if we contrast that, and if we put it up with when Jesus was an adult, just about a week or two before Jesus uh, died on Calvary, 
And before all of that happened, we can see something similar. We're told in John 11, 56, many Jews went up to the Jerusalem temple for the Passover feast. They kept looking for Jesus there and they asked one another, is Jesus coming to the feast at all? They went to the temple in Jerusalem. The temple was like the big cathedral. And this is one of the major feasts. And so all of these people had experienced something of this Jesus. They had maybe heard of a miracle or someone they knew their lives had been touched. So they're all looking for Jesus in the temple. And they're looking around and Jesus isn't in the temple. They can't find him there at all. And I love this. I've been thinking about this for weeks. Is Jesus going to come here at all? Is he going to show up at all? Anyone know the village that Jesus was keeping a low profile in? The name of it. Ephraim. Ephraim, yeah. So he was in a village in, in, uh, nearby called Ephraim, and he and his disciples were keeping a low profile. But they, all of the people were in the temple looking for him, and they couldn't find him there. So here we see something repeated again. And then, a bit like the whole thing about Jesus wasn't in Jerusalem, he was out in Bethlehem, word breaks through again at the other end, the other bookend of Jesus' life, and we're told... That later the crowd found out that Jesus was at the home of Lazarus out in the village of Bethany. So they all went out there to see him. Don't you see the, the pattern here? And we see this again and again. Right at the start of his life, they think he's going to be in one place. But actually he's way out there in another place. And here we are. They're in the temple, the mighty temple. It's a beautiful building. Huge open spaces. I mean, when you would have walked through the gates of the temple, the first thing that would hit you would be the smell of blood. My goodness, the blood and the blood and the blood. Because they would be constantly killing the bulls and the goats to offer a sacrifice. And so the blood would come down. So you would smell and you would see the blood. And the blood was there to um, make a sacrifice for the sin of the people. Hallelujah, the book of Hebrews tells us there is now no need for the blood of bulls and goats any longer. Hallelujah, because we have the blood of Jesus to clean us. There's no more killing animals like that. We have the blood of Jesus. But the crowder in the temple, it's where all the chief priests are. It's where the Sanhedrin are. It's a bit like going to perhaps London, to Buckingham Palace, that's the nearest monarchy. And the Queen and all the royal family and the Dukes and the Lords and the ladies are all there. You kind of think if you want to be somewhere where something's going to happen, you want to be there. And so all the crowd are in the temple, but there's no Jesus in the temple and they're asking one another, and maybe some of us are here today and we're asking one another, is Jesus going to come show up in my life at all? Am I ever going to find someone who loved me? Am I ever going to make a friend like that? Will I ever see a breakthrough in that area of my life? Will I ever know healing from that sickness? Will I ever get that job? Will I ever pass that exam? And so there they are in the temple and they're told, actually, he's not in Jerusalem. Actually, he's not in the temple. Jesus is out in the village, Bethany. Where's Bethany? 
It's out in Bethany, out there. And not only is he just in a village, he's just out in a, out in a house. But that didn't stop people. They all went out to see him there. And so we see at the start and at the end of his life, people who are looking for Jesus start looking in Jerusalem, the center of power, the big high profile, if you will, um, glitzy place, but he's not there. Now, sometimes he was there, but he was out in Bethlehem and he was out in Bethany. It is almost as if we see this pattern in the Bible. And it's a lesson for you and me today that sometimes the Lord will test you and test me to see how sincere is our heart to connect with God. It's like we've come so far. You get to Jerusalem, you're kind of 90% of the way, but really that's not the end of it because Jesus is beyond that. And he's in a place you wouldn't expect to find him. And it's like, you've got to get to Jerusalem, but it's in Jerusalem you'll hear where you're to go. And it's almost like the Lord tests us. Do you really love me? Do you really want to connect with me? You see, we're not allowed to test God at all, except in one thing, which is with our finances. That's the only exception. Malachi says, test the Lord with your finances. Give generously and test God and see if he won't bless you. But other than that, it's forbidden to test God. But he does test us. He weighs up your heart and my heart. He weighs up our attitude and our motivation. And it's as if the Lord was saying, do you really love me? Do you really want to connect with me? Because if you're willing to go the extra mile, if you're willing to walk out to Bethany or travel down to Bethlehem, if you're willing to go there, then I will reward you and you will find me. But you've got to be willing to go the extra mile. I know I got to Jerusalem, I'm just going to get comfortable here now. Grand, but you're not going to connect with Jesus in that situation. There's a challenge here for all of us. Are we going to get so caught up at Christmas, so taken up with the shopping and the working late and the office party? And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But we're not willing. We'll go the extra mile to buy the gifts. And we'll go the extra mile to keep people in the office happy. And we'll go the extra mile to have, I don't know, the most beautiful table on Christmas Day and a gorgeous Christmas tree. And there's nothing wrong with any of that, but are we willing to go the extra mile to be with Jesus? And I challenge myself with that. When we look at it, we see they came looking for Jesus at the palace, but the palace was empty. They came looking for him at the temple or the cathedral, and that was empty. There was no Jesus there. He was out in a place that they never thought he would. We're told that the Messiah was born in a stable, a manger, a hut, a shed, an outhouse. I remember about two, three years ago, I was at a pastor's meeting for pastors from around Ireland. And... Um, we were organizing a conference and there was a big name pastor from another country that there was a possibility we could get in as a speaker. And so the guys were reaching out to this person and they could only get onto the office and they got this person's PA or personal assistant and uh, they were asking could they come and minister to the church in Ireland. And the response they got was, well, we don't know, the diary's booked out, but if this person does come, they will insist on staying in a five-star hotel. 
because they only stay in five-star hotels. And do you know what? I was sitting at that table and an anger rose up in my soul. Honestly, it did. I know we shouldn't get angry, but can I? there's a righteous anger, isn't there? And I was there at the table and they were all going, okay, five-star hotel. And I said, I banged the table. And I said, hang on a while. We're following a savior who was born in a stable. That's the one we're following. When he was an adult, he said, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. If this is our savior, if this is the life we're called to follow, the one we're called to follow, are we really going to put up with? Well, I will only stay at a five-star hotel. And I said, you know what? If they want to stay in a five-star hotel, off with them. But we're not paying for it. Hallelujah. (laughs) I was really incensed and all the other guys at the table burst out laughing and they all agreed obviously you know but um well they had to i suppose after i said that (laughs) i love what it says in one samuel when samuel or the lord says samuel man looks at the outside but god looks at the heart as human beings we can get taken up with the outside thing Oh, you've got a great body, a great face, a great sense of clothing, a great sporting ability, a great intellect, a great personality, whatever. We kind of look at these kind of things as humans, but God isn't taken up with that. He's taken up with the heart. Who are you really on the inside? Now, that's what's important. And so it's almost like he's sending a message. And this is something we really should all remember at Christmas time. He chose to be born in a stable. Do you think the Lord couldn't have organized it so he could have been born in Herod's palace? Of course he could. He could be born in the best place, but he chose. And I love that about this Jesus. He chose to be born in a stable. So anyone who is searching for Jesus, you know what? We got to not think of just the regular way. Um, Denise and I go on holidays to France and we love traveling, I love driving and right now we just put on uh, Google Maps on the phone and we follow that. But before that, and that was only a few years ago, I said, getting out the Atlas and I'd find how do you go from one place to the other and, you know, there'd be a main road and I'd go, I'm just going to see if there's an alternative, just to see what else is there. And I would go to Denise and I was always doing this, I said, you know, if we go that road, we'll get there fast, but if we go that road... It'll be a little shorter, but it's going by a beautiful lake or a lovely range of mountains. Let's go the back road. And my poor compliant wife will go, okay, whatever, yeah. (laughs) And and we take the back road. And Janie, I love it. It's my inner rally driver coming out. And all my cousins are rally drivers. I go down the road and it's like, wow, this is brilliant. We'll get to our destination, I'll say to Denise. And this has happened so often, I'll say... That was brilliant, wasn't it? But you see, Denise will just roll her eyes because we're going along the road and we're up and down and going around the corners and wheelies and I'm really getting my inner rally driver out and Denise is... (laughs) And I remember she said to me once, she said, you just love the back roads, don't you? So now, um, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, so there's no more back roads for me anymore. That's the end of the rally driving. But I'm giving you an insight into my psychology here, okay? Um, And it's just that I am, well. I I don't know, there's something in me and I think it's in many of us. That's the way you go, yeah, but you know, maybe you've got to go that way as well. 
Maybe it's not just the main highway. Maybe the Lord is saying, how about coming off the highway? See what you discover if you come off the highway a little bit. How about finding me this way? And so that's why churches like this are kind of off the highway. We're not what you would normally think of, perhaps, certainly in Europe and in Ireland. But for the Messiah who was born in a stable, do you not think he is prophetically sending a signal to humanity? Don't just go the normal way. How about thinking about it and searching about it? And he will point the way. I love um, when I was a teenager, I used to like the music of Bob Dylan. I still do. And he um, became a born-again Christian probably around 79 or 80. And Johnny Cash, another famous singer, said this about, uh, about him. He said, I knew Bob Dylan was searching for the truth and had been for years. Anybody who really wants the truth ends up with Jesus. And, and I think that's true for, for, for anyone who is sincerely. If you're searching for peace, for healing, for consolation, for truth, any of us, we'll all end up at Jesus. Maybe it'll be the long way around. I hope and I pray that none of us will be the long way around where it takes forever and we end up hurting ourselves. I hope that we end up following him the way he's calling us. And that's what happened with uh, Bob Dylan, uh, as Johnny Cash said. Let me conclude by saying this. Luke 2.15, let's go and search for this savior that the Lord has told us about in Bethlehem. These were the shepherds on the hills. They were out doing their job, minding their own business, but God broke into their lives and pointed the way to the stable in Bethlehem. And they were willing to leave that situation. And I touched on it last week, leave their career and go and find this savior. Hallelujah. It doesn't change. 2,000 years ago, it's the same today. We are still called to find the Savior. And so for some of us here today, this is absolutely full-on relevant. We're called, you're called to find the Savior. But can I suggest to many of us that God is testing us, and I include myself, and he's saying, are we going to be lazy? Are we just going to go to the first stop and say, okay, God, if you're not showing up here, it's not happening? How many of us are going to say, I'm willing to go the extra mile. Lord, I'm going to go out to Bethlehem. I'm going to travel down to Bethany. I'm going to take that extra little bit of the journey because I want to see you. Hallelujah. Do you think he'll reward you and me if we take the extra step? <laughs> Do you know, how does this translate as I come to a conclusion? Do you know what it means? Instead of watching, I don't know, eight hours of movies on Netflix on St. Stephen's Day, how about we give one of those hours to God? Is that a good idea? No, I couldn't do that. Instead of spending another eight hours on Amazon shopping for gifts, how about you spend seven hours but you give an hour to the Lord? How about we go and we draw aside to use that beautiful old term we close the door of the bedroom under the stairs the shed the bathroom wherever you get a bit of space and we go on our knees and we start talking to God and we start talking to Jesus how about going the extra mile this Christmas Are you willing to do that because I think the Lord is telling us today 
that Jesus is found when people are willing to do that. Scripture says he is a rewarder of those who, who knows the rest of it? Diligently seek him. Diligent. Diligent. You don't hear that word today. Nothing is diligent. It's all, ah, if I feel like it, I'll do it. No, diligently seek him. Set your face to touch God. If you do, you'll find him. Hallelujah. And if you say, well, I'm a Christian. I know the Lord. Praise God. But we need to go deeper with him. We need to touch him. We need to fall in love with him more. Maybe we need to restore and refresh our first love because it's kind of gotten forgotten in the busyness. We're going to sing a beautiful song. Light of the world, you shone down into darkness. He is the light of the world and he is shining here in Cork in Ireland today and he is shining here in this church and he will shine in your life. So we're going to have two prayers for those who want to start the journey with Jesus and for those who want to say, I am willing to go the extra mile. I'll travel out to Bethany and Bethlehem. Would you stand with me? You can throw the words up on the screen there. Thanks, Jessica. Light of the world. He opened my eyes and let me see. Can we sing it and then we'll pray? our eyes and let's say this prayer together. Lord Jesus Christ, 
I can't hear you guys. Lord Jesus Christ, I invite you into my life. I want you to be the light of the world. In my life, in my mind, in my heart, in my future, in my relationships. Come Lord Jesus and fill me. Forgive me for my sin. I turn from it. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and be my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that for the four of you, this Christmas will be like none other that you've ever experienced. Because for the first time, this Christmas is about the one you love and not just about the rest of it. We give him another round of applause. God bless you. Hallelujah. How many of us are willing to say, I'm going to go the extra mile. I'm going to travel out to Bethlehem. I'm going to go down to Bethany. I'm willing to come away from the telly. I'm willing to come away from the laptop, to come away from the shopping. I can do that, but I'm going to give God a bit of time this Christmas, and I'm going to set my face to it because I want to find him this Christmas. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? But I'm not going to ask anyone to close their eyes. Praise God. Many of you may already be in that place, but you know what? I'm putting up my own hands. If you're okay with it, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat and come and stand at the top so that this prayer is real with you. Can we sing the song again as we come and pray at the top together for those who put up their hands? Light of the world. Sing light of the world, you step down into dark. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made it hard adore you. All for a life spent with you. Here I am. hands those of us who want to pray this prayer let's lift up your hands not to me to the Lord we say to you oh God this Christmas season we want to be like the wise men we want to be like the people in the temple we are willing to go the extra mile we will travel out to Bethlehem we'll say amen we won't be satisfied with only getting as far as Jerusalem we want to be where you are Lord so we say to you, O oh God, we will set our face to this and we turn aside from it, from the everyday busyness and in being busy, we want to give you prime time. And so we say to you, Lord, we will watch one less movie. We will buy one less gift on Amazon. We will do one less thing so we have time for you. And so as we lift our hands in the house of God here today, we ask you, would you give us the discipline to do this? Who'll say amen? I pray that our hearts would get lonely for you this Christmas season. 
that we would wake up in the night and we would want to pray and touch you, oh God. And I pray, Lord, that your face would start appearing to us at home, in the car, by day and by night. Jesus, we want to be extra mile people this Christmas. And so we thank you. We will not be satisfied with a palace or a cathedral. We will go to the ends of the earth to find you, Jesus. And here today, our hands are lifted up as an outward prayer of an inner prayer that asks you to help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name and God's people said, Amen. Just the Holy Spirit is saying one word of prophetic word, and that is the Lord is saying there are some people here who've got a bad memory of Christmas time, and you're in here today, and it's like a shadow over you. Whether that was a death, a relationship breakup, or a bad experience of Christmas in the past, I know that we're called to pray for you today. So if that's you, and you want prayer, would you lift up your hand? You could be down there or up here. If you want to lift up your hand, okay. Can I ask the other guys to go back to their seats, but keep standing, and if you have a bad memory of Christmas. Could you come up to the top? We want to lay hands on you. If you were down in your seat and you want to come forward, please come forward. Can our prayer and care team come forward as well? We want to pray for these guys here. Hallelujah. Let's put a hand on their shoulders. If someone you love died at Christmas, you bring that with you. If your marriage or a great friendship ended at Christmas, you bring it with you. We bring the wounds of the past with us. Every human being does. The blessing for the Christian is we can ask Jesus to heal our hearts. doesn't mean we'll forget the person or forget the incident, but it means that God will help us through it. So can you lift your hands, guys? Lift your hands to the Lord as a heart of receiving. Can I ask everyone standing in the final moments of our meeting, would you mind lifting out a hand, just pointed towards them, it's, it's just you praying with us. In the name of Jesus, I pray into your life, into your memory, into your emotions, into your memory as an adult or as a child, and we pray the healing power of Jesus of Nazareth into your experience. We'll say amen. We pray, oh God, you would remove the sting and any heartbreaking poison that is going on in this memory and in this heart. And we pray, Lord, you are the comforter. You are the God of consolation. And we pray comfort and consolation into each one of these five people. And we pray by the power of God that when that memory comes again, the sting and the heartache and the pain would not paralyze them. But they would see the face of Jesus in that memory and know that they were never alone then. Come Holy Spirit and heal each one in a profound and in a mighty way. We pray it in Jesus' name and God's people said. Just as people are still praying, one last thing I'm going to share. And I don't know if it's for someone down there or up here. But I have a vision of someone in a ditch, in a hedge at the side of the road. Like they were collapsing. It's like they were almost dead. 
but they weren't dead. They crawled out of that gutter. They crawled out of that ditch. And I feel the Lord is saying to someone here, the person you are praying for today who's on your heart, it's like they're in a gutter this morning. They're in a ditch. And the Lord is saying, I won't let them stay there. I am going to give them the ability to crawl out of that hole. And they are going to live. Your prayers are being heard, says the Lord. Don't give up. God will deliver that person, that person you care for. Can I ask everyone to close their eyes one last time? And if you are praying for someone who you seriously, you seriously are concerned that they will even get through the next month physically, can you lift up your hand in total privacy? Okay, see your hands and I see your hands. In the name of Jesus, we pray for our loved ones now and for these 9, 10, 11 hands that have been lifted up. We pray in Jesus' name that the one they love would not die this Christmas. Who'll say amen? We pray, oh God, that your hand of protection would be upon them, even if they're like the prodigal son, bringing it on themselves. Yet you kept him alive. We pray you would keep these loved ones alive, oh God and deliver them and we pray the other end of christmas that we would see their faces and we pray a miracle working power into their lives into their hearts and into their minds now by the power of god in jesus name and one last time this morning the people of god said amen, amen. praise god thank you so much guys thank you sisters for coming forward and having the humility we're going to serve coffee and tea upstairs in the atrium. The band are going to play us out. If you have to go, God bless you. Maybe we'll see you next week. Thank you, Stephen and the guys. Off you go.